You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Auto D Show here on Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Networks, broadcasting from high above Camelback Road in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, and tonight my guest is singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Derek D-Day Kendall, who resides in the Valley of the Sun and has for some time, but is originally from the East Coast. A little bit of time in New York, a little bit of time in uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, we'll figure it out. But uh, he'll be on just a few minutes after we check out this first tune from Fervor Records catalog called Kerosene by Reckless Serenade on the Auto D Show. Check it out.
You're listening to Arudi coming at you live. And that was Kerosene by Reckless Serenade here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you in part by my good friends at Fervor Records and also by TheRecordingArtist.com, where I cut a new record with a different band almost every Wednesday evening. And you can watch me do it live online. I also put together a TV show featuring these cool recording sessions. And if you've got Amazon Prime, just search for The Recording Artist. Or if you have Roku TV, download the free channel called The Recording Artist and watch all kinds of content. To learn more, just visit the website, which is TheRecordingArtist.com. And now, let's uh, dive into it with my guest, Mr. Derek D-Day Kendall. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? And thanks for coming in. I am doing fairly well. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing great. I caught you in the middle of a social media recording. That's awesome. So, uh, So what part of the Valley did you come in from? I came up from Chandler. Okay. Which uh, neighborhood where I've been since 95. Okay. A little while. Just a little while. Okay. Now, you didn't start in Arizona. I know you grew up in New York, but you, you were born in the, in North Carolina? Uh, partially in New York. Actually, my hometown and main state, uh, home state from back east would be Virginia. Okay. Uh, from the Williamsburg, uh, Norfolk, Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. Newport News, you know, the greater Tidewater or Hampton Roads area. It's got a lot of names. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all, you know, Navy Town. There you go. Right, right. So then, um, speaking of Navy Town, so how did you get to New York? What happened? Uh, moving to, uh, my stepfather was in the Navy. Okay. And uh, he was, uh, well, he was on boomers at first, working uh, on the nuclear subs. And then he went wow. up to Balsta Spa, Saratoga Springs, up to the nuclear reactor station up there. And it took us there actually twice, once uh, for a year and then once for a three-year stint. Okay, and how old were you the first time you went up to New York? Eight, nine. Okay, and by then, you were already playing drums. Nine years old is when I started playing drums. Tell me about that. Well, in Virginia, uh, especially Williamsburg and Yorktown, there is a big interest in the fife and drum corps. And that's what got me interested. I was living in Williamsburg. And I had a friend uh, named, his name was uh, Lance Pettigo, and he ended up actually, his entire drum career, even after college, was the Williamsburg Fife and Drum Corps. Oh, cool. he was He was the head, I guess the master conductor there. Interesting. Uh, after being their number one drummer through the years. You know, I remember seeing him in, in a little pamphlet when he was like, nine ten you know these little sock those those old timey sock feet yeah, when he was yeah. pulling on the ropes on his snare yeah that's kind of interesting to live in a place or grow up in a place that's the only place in the state that's old you know the east coast it is it is old it is um there's a little history at least well, that's where all the history comes from <laughs> yeah being as young a country as we are and that being the beginnings of it yeah but uh it's also it's also a very spiritual uh, area because mm-hmm. I mean all the waterways and boy I tell you what I miss the seafood uh-huh. it, you, you really don't know how good you have it until you live in the desert <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can see that you know I kind of like the desert uh, I grew up in the Midwest uh, Illinois so you know I'm sorry so it was uh, yes yeah really <laughs> Peoria actually and the funny thing about Peoria Illinois is it's the same size today as it was in 1983 when I left yeah. You know, the same population, same size town. Many people leave as are born every year, I guess, is how it works. But uh, it's kind of crazy. But anyway, um, let's get back to your story. 
started playing drums at nine, but you started playing uh, other instruments as well. It didn't take you long, and you were uh, already playing more stuff. Yeah, I started uh, when I was in South Carolina. <laughs> Again, Charleston, the subs, mm-hmm. my former stepfather. That's where I, I started taking up uh, trombone. I was a brass player. In fact, I was a brass player all through school. Everything I learned from my instructors, I funneled out to the other instruments. Interesting. So I, I was in there as a sponge, basically, and that was my key. <laughs> I started on trumpet in uh, sixth grade. That was my first thing. Really? So, when's the last time you played a trombone? Yeah. When's the last time you played a trombone? The last time I played trombone was uh, right before I had my teeth fixed and they're just about finished being fixed <laughs> so i could play it again interesting I, yeah i ended up you know how much do you like that i mean trombone's pretty cool trombone's way cool yeah, yeah. especially well it was for me because that was my doorway uh-huh. i seemed to be pretty good at it i won a lot of competitions got exemplary marks used to show off my you know i used to make my band band instructors you know happy at, at, at the solos and things like that you know we got this little 12 13 year old kid playing grade six music and, and acing it and actually adding you know like you know showboating at the end of something and you know, <laughs> Some dropping down to the extra low you know pedal b flat up to the up to the high register b flat on a jump instead of just the regular b flat that was written you know right that's pretty funny so you're already a showman too uh, well, and you mentioned to me in your in your bio that you sent over that you did use your trombone in trade, that you actually got you wanted to play drums, so you would play extra stuff. Well, or, I wanted to play everything, <laughs> but you okay. know, but uh, yeah, I in the orchestra, I you know, timpani and you know, extra percussion. Boom. But that's you know, yeah, because that was in the days of you know when the Star Wars theme had just come out uh-huh. <laughs> and such. Dun, dun, dun. So that's pretty wild. Um, now, you also uh, grew up in a in a household with a, a mother who was very talented. Extremely talented, yes. I read one sentence about her which said that you watched her do housework while she rehearsed show tunes for shows where she had the lead coming up. Yes. So that to me was just such a fascinating image. I want to know more about uh, singing mom and how that impacted you growing up. I remember my my kid chair i don't know if it was a swinging one or, or whatever but i i was in this house i was only ever up to the age of four before we moved so this memory i was probably at least you know i was around three years mm-hmm. old must have been next to the front door because i remember having my back to the wall the front door next to me in the couch and i could see out the dining room and the back sliding ice doors in the kitchen and my mom would be cruising back and forth and there would be you know the tunes, you know, Man of La Mancha, uh, you know, uh, sure. Once Upon a Mattress, mm-hmm. you know, things like the Fantastics. And I mean, that's the kind of stuff I was hearing every day, all day long. And to me, that was, you know, that was cool tunes. Yeah. My mom would be singing and practicing her parts, you know, and, and to me, that was just normal. You know, right. I, I, I didn't, I figured everybody probably, you know, was like this. Cause <laughs> I know, isn't that cool? She had the lead. I mean, it, it was off Broadway, but, you know. She, she'd smoke half the people on, you know, up, up in, you know, she, she puts, she'd embarrass Barbara Streisand, you know. She <laughs> has, I mean, just one of those kind of voices. Wow. So did she always sing the whole time? She was, she was very active when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, not so active, like when we were in New York, she wasn't, you know, doing that much theater. But my mm-hmm. stepfather also 
was was the Navy. It, 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 yes, but he was also he was the theater. He was theater. Okay. In fact, when they came back from Saudi Arabia and he came back with a PhD, he was the uh, he was the dean of the theater department at William and Mary, which is where they wow. met. Wow. And the, and the theater department there, doing the Common Glory and things like that. They were they they were together. They in fact they. They headlined, I don't know what you call it, starred, co-starred, right. uh, uh, opposite each other in, in, in Once Upon a Mattress. Uh, he played the prince. My mom played, you know. That's amazing. Winifred. And, or, yeah. And yeah. they, hilarious. My stepfather's mother, Molly, English lady, uh, also actress. This is you know, basically the Williamsburg Players, the Playhouse. Yeah. I sh- you should have seen her in, in, in Arsenic and Old Lace. Just absolutely <laughs> fabulous. I mean, the whole it was, it was cool to be around. It was cool think, to be around. I think it's fascinating to have this conversation with a guy I know of as a long-haired heavy metal rock and roll singer. You know, there was not another guy who's your peer who could even appreciate the stuff that you you grew up with loving that inspired you to get into music. Oh yeah. You know, you were you were in a very unique uh, place growing up. At the, and at that, that same time, I, I also remember because we had some cool music in. My very first favorite song was the Rolling Stones, uh, Get Off My Cloud. Oh, right. I, oh, yeah. That was my favorite song, even though I didn't know the words to it and I sang it wrong at three years old. Right. <laughs> I, it, the English accent or something. I, I thought I thought that's what he was saying. but yeah, Exactly. <laughs> well, then when did you start playing guitar? Guitar came about 13. Okay. Not, not, I was in New York. And uh, it came about mostly by uh, necessity at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, the school band was playing a piece, and it required some guitar. We didn't have a guitar player. So I said, uh, well, okay, I'll be one. And <laughs> How hard can it be? It's an instrument, right? <laughs> How hard can it be? Uh, so I started like learning the chord. So I learned right off the bat, I learned just the chords for that piece you know uh-huh. i saw the chord chart placed my fingers got the motor memory going by you know practicing it a little bit yeah and that's that was how that kind of started and you mentioned that uh, uh in your bio that your favorite album was frampton comes to live at that you know when i was or 13 live, 14 me. yeah i was all i knew we all drums and record. guitar i knew every bit of that album Mostly on drums, yeah. Because I didn't have a talk box. So, so when's the first time you were actually playing in a band, like a rock and roll ensemble? Was that back like, east? Like a four or five piece yeah, rock you and know. roll ensemble? Um, were you nineteen, eighteen, seventeen? No, it was in New York. Um, I used to play with a couple people. Actually, I was one of those. Not really. Well, I wasn't getting paid, but I was more of a, more of a session for hire kind of. Right. But uh, I played. I played with a few bands, uh, a band band called The Dogs. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did a gig where we uh, opened up for Walter Egren and Journey at uh, Saratoga (laughs) Performing Arts Center. That was pretty cool. That was, yeah, during, that was the Infinity. It was a free concert, too, so the place was rammed. Wow, that had to be fun. That was... At that age, to be in front of that size of an audience? I was 14. Wow. Did that kind of set you on the path? That... Definitely, that definitely hooked the lure for sure. Yeah. They, you know, that I mean, I, I was playing with the bait, but somebody somebody yanked that, mm-hmm. you know, set that hook. Yeah. Now um, you ended up leaving New York. Yeah. And going back to live with your dad in uh, Virginia, or the Huntington yeah. Beach area, or whatever. Well, I went to Virginia. I went to Northern Virginia for a year, and did yeah. a little growing spiritually or whatever. 
uh, you know, that was, that was, okay. but I wasn't very interested in school at that time, but <laughs> I was very interested in using school's gear. Right. And, uh, you know, did that for a year and, and then went to live with my dad down at, down in uh, Yorktown, Virginia, Grafton, the county boys. Now, had you had, you've been living with your stepdad and your mom. So yes. did you and your father get along fine or just had one yeah, living with him? I or? get along great with my dad. So it was cool just to go back. All of a sudden you had a new home and yeah, he, re- reconnect. Yeah, he was a, he was a dad. He was, you know, kind of a, a a little more straight-laced, you know, but, you know, he was an aeronautical engineer. He worked for NASA right. out on Langley and, you right. know. Wow. Like, you know, yeah, I got. I come from a family of, like, you, overachievers. Ridiculous. Say, <laughs> you come from some circles. And then your mom and your stepdad get a job and transfer to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, they started working for Aramco in Dahran. Okay. And uh, they, the two of them and my two uh, younger brothers, Went to Dahran, Saudi Arabia, which I ended up kind of going through there myself when. Went to see the family. When well, yeah, when I became slightly independent. <laughs> okay, so things went well. Pardon me. Things went well. Say things went well for them. Things went well for them. <clears throat> yes, at, at that time I was that I was living with my dad. Things were going okay. They were, in fact, they were looking up um, my. My instructor, Percy Ironmonger at Tav High School, and the superintendent, Mr. I think his name was Whitehead, Whitehair, something like that. I remember getting called out of class and brought down to the guidance counselor's office, and I was going, "What did I do now?" I was going, "Because you never know." You know it, <laughs> it's more, right. more of a, more of a, okay, not what did I do now? It's which one of the things I did did they find out? Right. Would, would be more the case, and um, they sat me down, and the whole gig was. They wanted me to pursue, and they were going to they were going to support the ticket to, to, for me to to go up to Juilliard and try and get in. Wow! And as I was like, wow. you know, I was stunned. But that didn't happen <laughs> because I am because I was a teenage idiot. But everybody's got to be one at one time or another. That's right, a, man. I did mine too. Yes, but mine. Yes, yeah, so mine led me to. Um, my independence mm-hmm. and that was like the day after my 18th birthday okay and uh, where i found myself well my i think i wrote in the thing it's my my birthday present was, was <laughs> for my 18th birthday i got one single boot <laughs> and that was in the ass out the door yep. say yep is it okay time to grow up you're out be a man right. <laughs> and which you know, I guess it's a good thing because uh, I had no choice, and I did. Yes. I, I was able to stay with a friend for a month, but I was literally walking down the road with my guitar case in one hand, my duffel bag in the other, and I had my Marshall, my old Marshall 100 watt JCM across across my uh, <laughs> forearms. And luckily, I didn't have very far to go until I went to my Man, friend Adrian's house. It's it's just I, it's just musicians, you know. And I was I was uh, 18. Um, Nineteen and got my young girlfriend pregnant. Complete accident. What was the plan? It <laughs> got happens. married. Got divorced by the time Don't I was. Don't do that out there, <laughs> kids. Got divorced when I was twenty. All right, and now I'm living on my own, I'm, and I'm in a band, and I moved nine times. So you're not living on your own, right? Not you're at all. living with I'm a bunch of other guys in a van. <laughs> exactly. I, I I moved nine times in about an eighteen month period. And all I had, like you said, I had my base, my duffel bag of a handful of clothes. It's like all I had. I could move anywhere at any moment. And it took it took a while to kind of uh, 
land in a place where things get better. It's like when I came out here the last you time know? and stayed in 89, because I was married at that time, but yeah. I just, uh, yeah, didn't use the second half of that uh, that ticket. Cause <laughs> okay, that's a whole other story. We'll get to that. But uh, let's go back to uh, Saudi Arabia for a second, because um, right. you you uh, you went I guess to visit, but then you had an opportunity to stay, or did you go to did you go there to move there? I I went for Christmas. Oh, okay. Uh, to see my uh, mother and, and stepmother and family, and uh, I would be there for a month. And so, what are you seventeen now? Eighteen? Uh, I was eighteen. Okay. Yes, because this was this was after my journey down the road. Okay. Um, but while I was there, the opportunity was you know was brought up to me that hey you know because of the fact that in Saudi, and for the, especially for the expats, they uh, they didn't have schools past the the eighth grade, so everybody went out to private schools, you know, uh, Brussels, uh, Mallorca, you know, Switzerland, Greece. Mm-hmm. Be- used to be Beirut, but at that time that was kind of being halted a little bit, you know, thing in Kuwait, mm-hmm. and. Um, the company, because they didn't have schools for the expats past eighth grade, paid 80% of, of the fare, of the school, the living expenses and all. Wow. So it, it wasn't like that going to be terribly taxing because they made good money there tax-free. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided, well, you know, cool. okay, <laughs> it sounds good. So I went by my to live in Greece by myself. <laughs> and... Uh, it was an adventure. I Tell mean, me about it. I was I was eighteen and nineteen while while I was there. I mean, and how was music involved in this experience? Pardon me. How was music involved in this experience? Oh, all kinds of uh, music. When I got there, because for me, music was involved in everything. And at this school, I found out that I could use music for final projects and reports, and you know, and testing th- out of things by writing compositions. Wow! As my final, as for final, I'm, that was that kind of school. So I took advantage of doing that. I was in the band while I was there, and the the orchestra, and the jazz band, mm-hmm. and swap, swapping back and forth. Now I was playing drums, guitar, and trombone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it, out out there, I know. I think I know what you're getting getting to. You're, you're you want to know how how that one gig ended up in my lap how a 19 year old became maestro right that's right <laughs> okay so i i will no longer segue and we <laughs> no, right into it no, take your time uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> hey, the journey's as good as the end right that's all the journey is everything that's right getting there kind of sometimes well. yeah. <laughs> anyway reel it back in <clears throat> excuse me uh, over in in the private schools uh, they don't. It's not like like in the states where you have all all these high schools in the same district in the same conference. Like we'll just take we'll take football for instance, mm-hmm. where they go and they play you know each other, you know throughout the season until the end of the season, and then they do their. They don't have that because you'll have like one or two American schools like within you know one city in one country, one or two. So you know they're not you're not going to play each other or they you know it's, or they're going to play with themselves the whole time. Pardon you. Know. Right. And. Uh, so what what happened was all the schools would converge on one on one of the other schools for like a, a week long conference tournament or something tournament yeah exactly yeah, like the, we hosted the basketball tournament that year I remember we went uh, to Brussels for soccer and you know it was that that sort of deal and you'd have Mallorca you'd have Tassis Switzerland uh, you'd have AC uh, AC ACS 
you know, and, and the guys from Kuwait, you know, all, all the schools, the whole region. There's probably about 10 schools. Mm-hmm. We are also hosting the uh, music conference, which mm-hmm. is not so much a uh, tournament as it was a conference where all the other schools and orchestras converged on us. Right. And our, 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 our conductor at that time was a little, a little behind the times. I mean, I had people like, you know, Percy Ironmonger in, in Tab, Virginia, who was, who, who was a session, session player gone, you know, rogue teacher. I uh, have you know, great jazz musician and I, you know, tri-state champions every year I was there, that kind of thing. Right. So I took this knowledge cause I was a sponge. And when I was there, I was already teaching uh, or doing sectionals with the percussion after school and giving lessons to various trombone players. Our conductor, who was really lax on them, unfortunately uh, had a heart attack while we were just starting the process of getting the the program together for people to practice for the upcoming music conference. Now, overseas, you can't just like, you know, get another music teacher or instructor in there. They, they, you know, they hire these guys from all over the planet. They could get somebody to take role, but that was it. And I was freaking out going, we're hosting this thing. We don't have a conductor. (laughs) So the jazz instructor and myself, we went to the superintendent and made a proposition that it at least let me rehearse the orchestra, you know, while, while, you know, and with that also came, we got to choose the program. Okay. And we were doing, you know, overture, you know, 1812 overture. <laughs> and uh, one of my very favorites, uh, Night on Bald Mountain. Okay. The full version, not the Disney version. That's another story, though. But... And I was, I went in there because I got permission. Uh, obviously, uh, there'd be no story to tell. Right. And I went in and I, I said, all right, everybody listen up. You're going to find out what it's like to be in a real band. Okay, because I am going to take over the band while we, you know, while we get ready and we prepare for the oncoming, com- you know, conference. Took the first uh, violinist. I said, guess what? By default, you're my secretary. <laughs> Take this down, run copies of this off, bring them back up, and pass them out. What it was was a, it was a rehearsal sheet. It was a practice. They had to go home. I said, "You have homework in every other class. You've got homework in here. It's called practice." And like in a couple of places, like uh, the trumpets were having a between A and B, they were having problems with a uh, with, with a sixteenth note package, a passage. And I was going, "That's what you're practicing. I'm going to be testing you on it. Your That's parents are going to initial it every night, and they're going to sign it at the end of the week. I'm going to come in after school. I'm going to check the lockers. I know who has instruments at home and who doesn't. I better not see instruments in the lockers if you, you know, if you need to have one at home. And you guys need to get it together. I'm not expecting perfection, but I better see progress. And they started. It took. You know, I said, "Oh, here's the good part: uh, woodwinds, strings." Enjoy yourselves. You got an extra lunch today because I'm doing brass. <laughs> and I want you to check in tomorrow, but I'm going to be doing the same thing tomorrow. Don't worry. I'll get to you guys next week. And we went through this. We had a couple weeks to go through it. And uh, they came around like 130% from where they used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they whipped into shape. And we had some talent in there that was just hiding. Well, things had, the detail hadn't been pointed out to them of how they weren't performing. 
you demonstrated, here's what you're missing. And I think once you see that or can hear that, you can do that. And not to mention the pride they had of yeah. sounding good. Yeah. And then when everybody came in, for some reason, they got together, they voted. And because we had done so much work with them, I was nominated to do the show. To do that, because the, we were going to do a concert, and it was a big deal too. Yeah, imagine, imagine, like you know, down at that Herodium in downtown Athens, which is you know old, it's Plaka, the old yeah. you know crisscrossy streets and stuff. Yeah, and but the seats are overlooking the sea, and you're doing. It was it was hard to it was hard to it was actually hard to conduct, but during the eighteen twelve overture, you have you know the bomb bursts and such right on the finale. Well, we had this cat. Uh, he was like, a, I think it was like a sheikh's son or something, uh, Salome. Uh, you know, it was from mm-hmm. one of the oil, the oil producing, you know, like you know, Arab Emirates or, or you know, Dubai or someplace like that. Yeah. His his father paid for a fireworks demonstration or show or whatever <laughs> to sync with the end of the eighteen twelve overture. Right. So here I am, looking over the you know look, looking over the sea, you know in Athens, Greece, and I'm trying to like absorb it into my memory because I know I'm going to want to remember this stuff. <laughs> Conducting 18, 1812 overture, the finale, bomb burst, and we have fireworks and and, and you know going off over. It was bad. It was badass, is what it was. Oh gosh! And this show, I mean, there were princes and sheikhs and diplomats. And you're and you're nineteen embassy. years old. And I, I'm, yeah, at that time I was 19 years old. Wow. That's like a peak. You know, a lot of guys would dream of that moment. That was one of those, you know, who'd have thought in a it's circumstance. A, that's incredible. Then you come back and, you know, just start playing rock and roll and long-haired rock and roll bands all over the country. Metal! And had, yeah, and had a lot of success with and played with a lot of great people. So before we jump that all the way back across the ocean with the rest of that story, let's play a song. And since we've been talking about this kind of stuff, let me play that uh, Allegro Molto uh, you were you sent me. Talk about that. Tell me about this little classical piece you sent me. Tell me what this was all about. Oh, you want, oh me first? Yeah. I didn't know if you're going to play the tune. I'll go right for it. Uh, this was, uh, well, I had a stint of, of um, physical um, inability to walk, I guess you would say, for a little while. And while I was... In the, in that state, I decided to to do at least something while I was you know immobile, and I took Opus Fifty Nine, which is which is uh, Beethoven's when he was commissioned by Count Razumovsky uh, string quartets, uh, two violin you know viola cello typical type thing, great work. Beethoven is just well yeah he's Beethoven, but I took it and rearranged it for concert acoustic steel string guitar and played the parts individually that way. And it actually came out voicing pretty cool. I uh, decided to play with it a little bit because I know if, if Beethoven were alive today, I don't think he'd just be doing the, the straight violin because I mean, back then the keyboard was the big invention. He actually could hear all the notes at the same time and I'd have to hire half an orchestra while he was writing just to hear what was going on. But... Um, I think he'd be a. I, I think he'd be rocking ass actually. <laughs> he, oh you know, yeah. He'd be you know, he, all the all the different voices to explore and and, and play around with and oh he'd be he'd be yeah. freaking out with with te- technology the way we have it today. Yeah. 
So let's play this, and it's uh, it's a long piece, so we're gonna give give you an opportunity to grab another glass of water if you want. Uh, yeah, I probably need one. <laughs> Opus fifty nine. Now, before you play this picture, because you can hear it, I wanted to do a Snidely Whiplash video uh, to this, you know, with a guy the, the long mustache, right. you know, and the Penelope Pitts are you know the damsel in distress, tying her to the railroad tracks. Uh, I mean, there are parts in this where you can hear the locomotive coming down. You can feel the tension. You can, you know, and then of course the hero would ride in on about 120 horses. But uh, cool. See if you can picture that. <laughs> well, let's check it out here on the Auto D Show. Thank you. 
Ludwig van Beethoven's Opus 59 for String Quartet, performed on four guitars, essentially, by my guest, uh, D-Day Kendall. And Dante Van Molto in C, I believe. <laughs> that is just incredible. It's incredible. And now, that before we even go into anything else, I want to contrast that with another song uh, of yours that you've written. Or, or were you a writer on this one, I think, Young and Dangerous? Uh Co-written, I, I mean, okay. the vocal melodies and the vocals, but uh, okay. I wrote it with uh, you know, Mr. Keeler, okay. our local guitar hero, Surgical yeah. Steel member. Yep. And we'll go through those, those, the story there, too, but I just want to play a piece of this so people get a, a full picture of your musicality here, <laughs> not just <Uh-oh>. that. <laughs> okay, so let's check this out. This is Young and Dangerous here on the Auto D Show.
You're listening to Arode coming at you live. And that was Young and Dangerous from Notorious with uh, my guest, Derek D.J. Kendall, singing lead vocals on that track. Yes, indeed. Awesome. Now, you mentioned uh, Jim Keeler. You met Jim, if I'm correct, when you were on tour with a band called Lillian X out of Milwaukee. That is absolutely 100% correct. And so you were playing from the, you came back from the, the Middle East to the East Coast, started yes. playing in bands, ended up in Milwaukee playing in a band. Yes. Tour and on in tour. the States. Yeah, no, ARM uh, booked that tour. We were on tour with you know, King Cobra, who, oh, cool. who romanced me. Uh, oh, cool. Should have done that gig, maybe. I think they turned <laughs> into, back. Mick turned into Bullet Boys, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I met Keeler. Actually, the first person, my wife Nancy was the first person I ever met in Phoenix, Arizona. She mm-hmm. was who opened up. There's a place called Rockers out on the west side on Indian School, like 39th Avenue or something. Mm-hmm. She was working there at the time, and she's who opened up the doors for us when we went to go load in. That first person I ever met, whoever knew that down the road. Wow. Because I was married at the time. <laughs> How far down the road did you have to go? Was it two years, three years? Well, with my first wife, it wouldn't take long. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, sorry, Dorothy. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, let's see, I came here in 86, and I got married in 97. Okay. All right. Well, that took a little while. Oh, yeah. But let's, uh, let's get back onto uh, the bands again. So you met Jim, and he was in, in Surgical still at the time. In surgical were they steel, forming the band? Was it? Uh, that was that was dissolving. Oh, okay. uh, Je- Jeff Martin had just taken a gig with uh, Paul Gilbert over uh, doing uh, Racer X, and that left you know a, a, the vocal spot. And actually, Jim revamped the whole band because mm-hmm. to keep it alive, mm-hmm. and which is smart because it, it did have a name you know in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so. Um, I decided uh, that was something I wanted to do. We were going straight into recording an album. There was some backing, uh, good connections, and it seemed like a worthwhile project. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then how long was that project together? That version of Surgical Steel we did, well, let me see, 86 through right at 88. Okay. When we split off. Went different ways. Um, yeah, it kind of just happened. We were in, in Utah, and uh, we were doing some recordings. In fact, I think that version of Young and Dangerous might have been recorded at uh, AudioVision's Sam Foster's Place Up in Provo. Okay. But there was, there was the, the guitar player that we were bringing on board, uh, a cat named Parrish Holtquist, uh, who was renowned in, in Utah. And you know, Rest in peace, Parrish. Mm-hmm. You definitely missed my brother whiz guitar player but there was also a band that Parrish had just played on their album uh and that was a band called Terra uh, Dana Freebaron vocals and Jim got interested in what they were doing because Dana's great vocalist and he's, right. he's that that Ronnie James guttural you know man's man's voice you know right and uh and it's like we right in the mid right in mid recording project we like swapped guitar players and that's when uh you know the recordings uh, of like uh, Sherry and uh, and and when you're in love and stay with me and and uh, you know fuel for the fire those those came to be mm-hmm. and uh, wrote those and Parrish was very talented. Jim went over decided to do Terra played with them for a while and then that was what it was and then that of course you know like projects do fizzled 
I was back in Virginia and contacted Jimmy and I always stayed in contact. Mm-hmm. And we decided we're going to do something new. And I came out and we put Notorious together with uh, David Ombi and uh, Paul Kasanovich playing uh, bass. And he was a surgical steel guitarist also. Mm-hmm. Also, rest in peace, brother. Yeah, the talent pool, as you get older, yeah, gets smaller. <laughs> it does. It sure does. So what are you doing now? I mean, you're still playing now. You took a I am on the radio doing a show with Otto Diagnolo. That's right. And tomorrow <laughs> you are actually on my television recording show uh, at therecordingartist.com, cutting a tune live online. We're giving you <laughs> two hours to play every instrument in yes. front of a live audience with six cameras on you and me, the and we're going to make a record. The forged in fire of music. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a first for the show. We've never I, done a solo. I have two so. hours to forge my signature tune. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be. I'm really looking forward to that. That um, should be fun. So it, what what have you been doing in, in the last handful of years? Sorry, in the last last handful of years. What's been half going a year? On? I have been getting myself back into performing and playing shape i have mm-hmm. i have been uh, doing i've been doing a lot of guitar work uh and drums with some of the local um with some of the local um, uh, some grooves or like sessions musical karaoke uh, like basically jam you know the, okay. the jam sessions right at the, bar, the open uh, mic, type open mic. And, okay but it's not it's not like a bunch of off-tune people trying to sing ozzy on a karaoke machine it's this right. is actually a lot of old school players some session players uh the cool. cats that have been doing you know the casinos and, and, right. and ships you know the, these guys that walk around they're like human jukeboxes they know every song that's ever been made you know <laughs> right and cool. i don't <laughs> so right. it takes me out of my wheelhouse yeah <laughs> but uh-huh. that's good because you know i've always been playing stuff which is i wrote which meant i know it so it's right. pretty rehearsed in my head yeah i hear you now in the two we played young and dangerous you mentioned you were not playing guitar on that you were singing no that was um, i was yeah just as, I, I wrote the the vocal parts jim had a guitar part and right. we kind of we kind of you know formatted it to where it worked with vocals did you always prefer performing live not play guitar and just run around with a microphone <laughs> or did you want to do both i but in the past i did not want to play guitar and sing but that's only because of the lack of technology i mean if, if you're a singer you had your microphone you could run around and be an idiot if you're a guitar player you had your guitar you could run around and be an idiot if you were singing and playing guitar back then you were stuck to a microphone stand and couldn't go anywhere and that was it you know yeah that's you, true that these days you you know you throw on a body pack your guitar is wireless put on a headset your vocals are wireless you take your you know you take yeah. your shit wherever you want you know go out in the crowd mm-hmm. i've even i've even patched into where i i can, I can do a voice box of a, a, a talk box uh-huh. um out out you know live there's one that you can take that actually has its own outs on oh, it cool. it doesn't have to go through the pa it goes through your guitar amp that's cool and you just run and run that and then into your wireless and wireless talk box so do you still have all your old toys all the guitars and amps or do you always get rid of them for not new all of them <laughs> there have been times when people decided they wanted them or thought they deserved them more than i did and you know <laughs> And they, they disappear, you know, yeah. drum sets, full triggered drum sets surrounded wow. by singing. Because oh uh, playing a bunch of instruments can, you know, cost. Yeah. And well, in fact, tomorrow night you're going to be bringing a drum set. I'll be bringing a drum set. Bringing a guitar. I'll be bringing probably two guitars because it's so much easier than changing a string just to okay. grab an extra guitar. And then <laughs> probably a bass. 
I have a base. And you a couple said you had a base. I'm, I'm having. I'm having some. If you have a base there, it'll save me having to solder solder the, the jacks okay. on my right, on my no problem okay i'm gonna go get strings for that sucker because it's been 10 years since okay. I i'll strings. warn you now I, it, it it is going to get tuned down a little that's all right okay. getting played is probably more important the thing has feels it, left out it's good it, it'll be it'll be cool go cool. awesome well so we got enough time we can spin another another track if you'd like so let's check this one out when you're in love
listening to Auto D coming at you live. And that's When You Were In Love from Derek D. Day Kendall here and uh, his band Notorious back in the day on the Auto D show. And listen, we are out of time. So two things. First, I want to thank you so much for coming in, man, and taking the oh, time my pleasure. to this chat. A blast. But before I let you go, I want to know what you've got something going on and you're looking for some people. What are you looking for? I am looking I am looking to staff uh, a project that uh, I want to be diverse. I, mean, I, I want it to be very relevant because music to me is not done by the decade. You know, it's not right. the 90s and 80s. I mean, relevant music is relevant 20 years ago as it is right now and 20 years from now or however. But I'm looking for something. I'm, I would like, uh, you know, culturally diverse, gender diverse, gender neutral, gender, you know, Music. I don't, you know, if you if you can play an instrument, and you're bad to the bone on it, I uh, it, it's swamp metal type. Uh, if you can picture maybe Leonard Skinner meets Rob Zombie, you know, some good old fashioned rhythm and blues style heavy duty with the soundscapes of modern technology and instruments cool. that sound as if they were purchased. Well, actually, the instruments themselves can be vintage, <laughs> but you know, the, you know, today's technology and sounds and yeah. all have brought us into an entirely different world. Space, yeah. Well, listen, if people want to get a hold of you and talk to you about it. How, what's the best way? Um, Facebook's an easy way to find. Okay. You know, just Derek Kendall on Facebook. Uh, Derek, sometimes Derek D Day Kendall. Okay, perfect. Blame their brothers. Well, there you go. Well, hunt him down if you want to be in the band. Cause no, don't hunt me down. <laughs> Find him on there Facebook. Buy me a drink. Buy him a drink and you're in. <laughs> so listen, man, thanks so much for coming in, D-Day. Appreciate it. Thanks, Otto. I, I, it was a blast. We're going to have fun tomorrow on TheRecordingArtist.com. That's going to be a lot <laughs> of fun. You just wait. <laughs> so we'll see you there. And thank you all for listening. I will check you out again next week. And then, uh, heck, then I'm gone for a couple weeks. I'm out of town. i got the 4th of July, so be sure to tune in next, next Tuesday. <laughs> See you. Peace.